Welcome to the Randy Tober Show and all of you listening on the web at News Talk STL or on the app or on your Alexa. Thanks for being here. It's going to be a busy morning. Producer Leah over there is going to need extra coffee this morning. We're going to have her. Leah, you're going to be running crazy this morning. We've got a big show. Lots of great sound from the week past. A review of the big things uh, happening and uh, also on the bigger perspective, uh, things that affect you, like the energy situation. Have you looked at your electric and propane bills? Mandy Gunasekra comes in at 625. Uh, I talked with her yesterday afternoon. want to play that for you because it was a compelling interview, which really, which really rounds up all of the issues around which we're struggling with energy and will continue to if we head down the tortuous path of Joe Biden and his disastrous energy policy. We'll talk about some balloon tales. And before you and your fifth grader or your eighth grader or your 12th grader launch your next experimental balloon uh, because of the science fair experiment, you may want to think about that. Some more woke destroying. And Mark McCloskey joins us to discuss uh, how do we handle people like the uh, exonerated prisoner uh, that uh, here in St. Louis that was exonerated. And, uh, you know, the, the new evidence that lets folks off and out of jail when they've been in for years and years, along with um, the Julie Banderas uh, divorce episode that she boldly announced on Gutfeld. Yeah, we'll talk about that as well. Virginia Cruda at 745. And at 8.06, we're going to break down the economy, all the late numbers that have come in over the last couple of weeks, the jobs numbers, the CPI, the producer price index, the jobs uh, the unemployment uh, new filings this week and see if he can put it all together and decide whether there's going to be a soft landing, a hard landing, as some are saying, a no landing. Uh, and uh, then, of course, your calls all morning at 314-912-1019. And um, right off the bat, want to invite you, even though it's a week late, now that you've had a time to let things marinate a little bit from the Super Bowl, I saw an online poll the other day that uh, talked about the favorite, the favorite Super Bowl ad. I have mine. Leah has that queued up. She'll be playing that in just a second for you. Um, <clears throat> Leah, now, what? Uh, tell me about your impression of the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, Rihanna, your, you know, the, uh, the the magic carpet ride that the dancers and Rihanna were taking there, high above the center stage. What uh, were you riveted to that halftime show? First of all, um, well. I, re- I liked I liked the halftime show. I had no issues with her performance. Um, I thought it was really pretty, like the red and the white and all the lights behind her. And I really liked the whole setup. I was disappointed 
And I maybe this is selfish. I was disappointed <laughs> that she didn't bring out any guests. Um, ah. I said that before, and somebody's like, well, she did have a guest. She had the baby in her belly. And I was like, well. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that was a big surprise. Boy, yeah. that uh, that blew up the Twitter sphere, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I understood she just had a baby. Was it last oh, yeah. May or more? I mean, yeah. Yeah, she has a less than one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Quick turnaround. Now, is Rihanna, does she have a significant other like many um, in, uh, in yeah, entertainment? Or does she have a husband or... I don't know if they're married, but she definitely has a significant yeah. other. Yeah. Why is it the celebrity culture doesn't uh, get married a lot? Well, I mean, maybe uh, some do, but many don't. There's, you know, seems like when they do, they just get divorced. So, yeah, yeah they just can't handle the fame and yeah, I guess the, the the yeah all of the vagaries and the the very normal things that go along with marriage. You know, it's not all glamour. It's not all romance. It's not all nights at the mm-hmm. at the uh, at the latest disco. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah so things are different. Um, how about your favorite Super Bowl commercial? I'm curious what you and uh, listeners think about that. Uh, some said it was overall a lackluster selection this year. How about you? Um. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm trying to think. I don't know if there was one that really stood out to me. I know mm-hmm. I missed it live, but I went back and watched it. I know there was uh, one for the streaming service Tubi that had mm-hmm. everyone in a big <clears throat> fuss because of how, I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about, that um, I don't know how to describe it, but Tubi had a commercial where it looked like it was like going back to the game and then their streaming service pops up and starts playing, starts playing a movie. Oh, yeah. And I guess that was a big deal because yeah. everybody, everybody's at their parties and they think their kids are all of a sudden <laughs> changing the channel. But it's yeah, commercial. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. It was yeah. controversial. The Ben the Ben Affleck uh, Dunkin' Donuts commercial, I think it was, mm-hmm. that got some pretty good online yeah. reviews. I, I at the, When I first saw it, I didn't think much. Yeah, it, it, it rose a little bit in the rankings for me. My favorite one, though, however, mm-hmm. maybe it's my medical background. I don't know. But it's the, you know, this particular topic is um, is all over the the uh, media, whether it's, uh, you know, radio, TV, uh, cable, uh, Fox News has them all the time on the radio feed. The, uh, you know, you'll see the advertisements on the web. And it's for a problem that really is not fun if you're having it. But I think people are able to joke about that. And I treat a lot of uh, couples that uh, where one or the other has a problem, and they turn that problem into a commercial for the Ram electric truck. Let's play it. Oops, sorry. Here, hold on. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied? Then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. A lot of times. I've been working a lot. Being unsure if you'll have enough power to handle your payload. I don't know if I got the power for this baby. I'm adventurous. I like to go all the way. I don't want to have to question if we're even going to make it. Yeah. It's a concern. Lacking the confidence about getting and being able to keep a charge. Having to stop every time we got really excited, that wouldn't work for me. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. If PE, premature electrification, is something you're worried about, go to RamRev.com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, is right for you. Stop. Start. 
stop start <laughs> so turning a little bit of a of a problem into uh, into a commercial for ev i still can't see myself getting an ev truck i'm sorry i don't know uh can't can't understand that but uh, i thought the delivery there was cute it caught everyone's attention and i think caught people by surprise when they're used to seeing uh, commercials about technology when it comes to cars, technology, the power of the vehicle, the, you know, the, the savings, whatever. And that was pretty interesting. Um, coming up, we're going to be talking, speaking of power, we're going to be talking with Mandy Gunasekra, who was a senior uh, energy analyst and uh, climate uh, uh, advisor, um, you know, in all the right ways to, uh, to President Donald Trump, who in the latest poll I was reading this morning, <clears throat> Another poll, you know, they've been back and forth, the polls in terms of Donald Trump's staying power in the, uh, if you will, uh, in the, uh, the DeSantis-Trump wars, which have already started ahead of next year's election um, process. <clears throat> and um, DeSantis approval dropped a little bit in the G- GOP primary poll. Uh, he remains, of course, the, the most formidable challenger to uh, to Trump's hopes of, of getting the nomination. But the support may be slipping, according to a Harvard Caps uh, Harris poll. Now, the Harris polling organization is, is respected. But a poll just out yesterday shows that Trump is leading DeSantis 46 to 23 percent, doubling DeSantis's rate. And that's a five point drop in support for Ron uh, since last month. Uh, so. Well, the other thing is that um, in his standing in a hypothetical primary field without Trump, thirty nine percent of voters. Now, this is without Trump in the in the poll uh, would uh, get his uh, would get DeSantis support, which is 10 points lower than just a month ago. Mike Pence, however, saw a little bit of uptick and Nikki Haley, of course, who was Trump's United Nations ambassador. And, you know, the South Carolina governor, South Carolina becoming an increasingly pivotal uh, primary race. We saw how that really turned Joe Biden's campaign around in uh, 2020. Um, but she uh, she was five points higher, of course, having uh, announced earlier this week. That announcement was led with uh, with a lot of um, a lot of fanfare on the one hand, and a lot of disappointment by some on the other hand, including me, uh, Leah. If you have a clip. That uh, Nikki Haley announcement, as, as part of her announcement and her speeches after, uh, she uh, she raised some she raised some issues around um, what some of her policy uh, concerns may be. Play it. Ready to move past the stale ideas and faded names of the past, and we are more than ready for a new generation to lead us into the future. And later she talked about um, a competency test for candidates over 75 and, uh, you know, a, a cognitive test. And I'm, for one, I'm concerned about that. I, uh, I had supper last night with a few of our friends from church, two of whom, one is a highly successful uh, agricultural technician, a farmer, who was on the, uh, the, uh, one of the agricultural boards, actually, and spent a lot of time traveling in Central and South America advocating for uh, agricultural exports from America. The other of whom, airline pilot, worked at uh, Lockheed Martin after that as an advisor in terms of, uh, you know, mili- uh, uh, aircraft and their usage and so forth, and uh, other aerospace advice. 
These guys are over 75. And boy, you if you knew them, you would uh, you would be happy to have them as president. The wisdom, the cognitive sharpness, the memory, everything there. And I think we would eliminate a large swath of very talented people. Maybe some of you have a mom or a dad that, uh, you know, that uh, answer that bell. Maybe uh, yourself, you know. Uh, would would certainly question whether 75 is some kind of an arbitrary reason for which you need to have a competency test. I don't think there's a test for wisdom. That's something that that 40, 45, 50, 55 year old whippersnapper may not have by the time you get to 65, 70, 75. Just saying. Now, Leah, what do you think from the young person's perspective? Having just turned 18. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) What? No, you're you're a little over 20, right? 20. What are you? 22? 25. Okay. As a young person, are you concerned about I mean, the polls are saying that whether it's Trump, whether it's Joe Biden or anyone else, that uh, voters, uh, the majority of voters would like to see, uh, you know, a change, uh, a changing of the guard. I, for one, don't disagree with that because I think I just want people of high integrity and high merit and people who want to diminish their role in my life, which is a hard task in the political world because they tend to be narcissists and egomaniacs. Are you is is youth that important to you as a young person or is it not? Um I don't know. I mean I agree with you. I don't I mean I guess it's important. I don't know. Who who are you looking at in the field these days? Have you thought about it as far as the GOP primary? I have not. No, you're not there yet. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're you're waiting for that uh, for that uh, Britney Spears concert. No, not Britney Spears. Who, no. Which concert? Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, Taylor Swift. She's replaced Britney. I right? guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh, who was the guy that was the heartthrob of everyone? Uh, Justin who? Bieber? Uh, no, is that his name? Yeah. I mean, there was... Is he still... Justin Timberlake before that, but then I guess there was Justin yeah. Bieber. Is he a biggie still? No. Who's not, the not who's really. the male heartthrob these days? Who's the equivalent of male t- Tiffany? Uh, uh, Taylor whatever. Swift. Um, I have no Taylor idea. Taylor Swift. Yeah, I have no idea. No? I don't. Yeah, there's de- <laughs> there's a bunch of different guys out there. I don't know if any one of them is the biggest. I think there's more bands. Well, there's no one anyway. No one anyway that you would go and pay the two hundred dollars for a ticket for at this point in time. Um. I've always said I might go see Bruno Mars. I think he's talented. Oh, but yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You can play some Bruno Bumper anytime you oh, want. Oh, God. Like <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you know, I saw a group that uh, many of you might know of uh, the other day. And when they came out in the, what was it, 80s, 90s, and they were hot. And they still are. Now they're in their probably 50s and 60s. We saw Take Six traveled over to... Uh, to MU at the Jesse Auditorium there and saw Take Six. Fabulous acapella group. Unbelievable. And you know, a lot of faith themes in their singing. That was their calling card and their theme. They did some other stuff that wasn't faith oriented, but a lot of great faith songs. And it was a fabulous, fabulous concert. If uh, if you get a chance to see them, if they're anywhere in uh, in earshot near your uh, your abode please take a take a listen to them they're super good when we come back we'll talk to mandy gunasakra because i once again my wife paid another propane bill and it's unbelievable here at the lair we heat with propane and of course you have to have the electricity to you know drive the furnace Woo, man i uh, electricity costs propane costs natural gas costs 
just out of orbit, and it's not going to get any better. And we'll talk with Mandy Gunasekera in an interview we did yesterday. I want you to hear that. Take a listen, and coming up on the show, we'll be talking with um, the later Michael Bussler in the 8 o'clock hour, and uh, next hour, Mark McCloskey and Virginia Cruda. So there's tons coming up here on 1019-941, The Randy Tobler Show, along with Leah. Glad you're here. We'll be back. Thanks for being with us on the Randy Tobler Show. And whenever we think energy, we think about our friend Mandy Gunasekra, who's a senior <clears throat> policy analyst with Independent Women's Forum and a and, and veteran Republican climate and energy strategist and uh, really worked in the Trump administration and knows so much about this issue. And boy, it's it's on everyone's mind, Mandy. Welcome to the program. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday and great to be with you. And congratulations, by the way, on being uh, certified as a candidate for the Northern District Public Service Commission uh, race that you're in. So good for you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, the, my opponents tried to kick me off. I know. Uh, I've prevailed, and now the voters get to vote for me at the ballot box. I know. They're uh, they're afraid they were going to cancel you because you're trying to get some conservative infusion in that race. Good for you. I hope, uh, man. They they're dealing with someone that uh, knows way too much for for their for their bones to tolerate. I know that. <laughs> so you're going to be able to sort it out for them. Hey, um, I was driving uh, into St. Louis to visit mom the other day on Highway 70, and I saw uh, one soldier farm after another in what used to be either pasture or hay ground or you know something else agricultural and it got me to thinking so I was looking at a white paper you wrote about energy and the cost of heating our homes and everything and it's it's really startling what energy policy has done to what was pretty much taken for granted by Americans and it was really a lot of startling information there let's talk about just access to energy and brownouts and people, you know, not having the energy when they want it. That's a new thing in America. It is, Randy, and it's so frustrating because we do not need to be in the position we are currently in where Americans are having to deal with rolling brownouts, blackouts, or exorbitant costs because of swings that are not appropriately managed at the utility level. And it's because of bad policies like the Green New Deal coming from the extreme leftists that are that are controlling the Biden administration, President Biden himself and all the people around him. And so the access and knowing that the lights are actually going to turn on when you flick the switch, we have taken that for granted in this country for such a long time. And it's unfortunate that, that now Americans are realizing we have a problem here, but they're realizing it during extreme weather conditions when they need that access to energy the most. It's just awful. And my wife, Helene, is in with me today. We're going to do a medical segment uh, later on in the hour. Yeah, but I do the bills. And I'm she, a, yeah. I, I, was, I was an accountant at <laughs> a former life. So and, I do the bills and it's quite been quite a shock. And I think we're having the same discussions as we look at the, the cost. Well, you know, our house was run on propane. And I mean, I just can't believe every time we get a fill, it's so much different than it used to be. And I know we're no different than anyone across America. So whether you're in the Northeast on heating oil or propane or natural gas, I don't think anyone's immune. Are they, Mandy? No, they're not. And a lot of this goes to the President Biden's promise to end all fossil fuels. 
that has a huge effect when you have an economy where 80% of the energy we use every day comes from coal, oil, and natural gas. And then when you, when you look closer at heat and what people rely on during the winter, um, it's, you've got 60% of home heat comes from electricity. And then another large portion comes directly from natural gas and propane. So when you have a president who is doing everything he can from day one to squeeze out fossil fuel, which is the energy we need to actually run our lives and have access to stable, affordable heat during the winter, uh, that is really what's behind either supply disruptions or the exorbitant costs that manifest themselves on your electricity bills. So it really goes back to policies made at the tip top of this Biden administration that are going all the way down and we the people, we the ratepayers, are having to deal with the very severe consequences. And you know, I really, I, I feel sorry for the people in uh, jobs like you're vying for in a public service commission or here in Missouri, there's a lot of uh, different ways that people access their energy in different organizations of the various entities that provide it. But I think of the co-ops, which are generally run by boards of, you know, lay people that are on those boards and they get hammered when the prices go up. But it's not like they're the ones that put the kibosh on, you know, Keystone. It's not like they're the ones that put the kibosh and did the regulatory number on fossil fuels with a stated intent of eliminating them by, what, 2050? I mean, are you kidding me? So we have to be careful and make sure that we have the target on the right back when we're making criticism of the government. It's squarely on the shoulders of Joe Biden and his regulatory apparatus, we should say, too, right? Yeah, well, he uses his regulatory apparatus. He, he turns it into a weapon to squeeze out either the technologies or industry he's found politically disfavorable. And the biggest problem here is that Joe Biden, the Democrats, and this Green New Deal policy, they invite politics into the decision-making of our utilities instead of engineering assessments and assessing what is the best type of technology to deliver the need that the people in that area need right then and right there. And, and that is really what has degraded the entirety of our energy system and especially our electricity systems, because now you have the president pushing solar and wind, and there's nothing wrong with those as a technology, but he's trying to push them to where he shuts down fossil-based energy, and he tries to put wind and solar in a role filling something called baseload energy, which is most important for level cost and level reliability. And wind and solar, because they only work when the wind blows or the sun shines, it will not work from a pure technological perspective, and he refuses to accept this. He just pushes it anyway, and it creates all these problems because he's prioritizing politics over technical realities. We're talking with Mandy Gunasekar, senior policy analyst and uh, a strategic energy expert. Are you optimistic that the battery technology um, and affordability of the various alternatives will will someday at least make a, a, a real significant impact on, on our energy in terms of a reliable and affordable resource? Is it just a matter of giving it a little time and making a more reasonable transition? Or is it really not realistic to think that, that, that fossil fuels will be supplanted by the alternatives? 
I mean, given the current state, even with the range of advanced technologies out there, it's not realistic to think that fossil fuels are going away. Now, we could be surprised in a couple of years, uh, some some breakthrough actually occurs. But right now, if, if folks want to transition our energy systems to where it is less fossil or it's more advanced fossil, that is going to take time. And it's the setting of these arbitrary timelines, um, like, like Joe Biden saying, we're going to be net zero by 2035 or 2050 that actually conjure up the majority of the consequences um, to compare it a little bit to look at what happened in Afghanistan when he set an arbitrary deadline to pull out of there by September uh, by the September 11th anniversary and most of the consequences were due to a rush to comply with an arbitrarily set deadline that was all about politics and photo ops it's the same thing with the energy discussion if you give it time and you let the regulators and the utility folks who understand the technological aspects of this balance, um, they can make balanced decisions to avoid these type of consequences. But we've not seen that with Joe Biden. And I will say the thing that I'm most excited about from a technological perspective, um, it's, it's nuclear. And you have these small modular nuclear reactors um, that have made a couple of breakthroughs recently. And, and that really, to me, is where the most promise is. You're right. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's a, it's a shame, isn't it, that the environmentalists who are so worked up over this don't think about California's problem in disposing uh, used solar panels and, you know, the, the windmill uh, skeletons that we're going to have in 20 years after they go there to have their useful life. It'll be like a it'll be like a scene out of Don Quixote. Right. I mean, it'll be crazy. Uh and 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 raping the earth literally with all of the mining that has to go on for the for the metals of the rare metals that are used and the, the trace minerals that are used in the battery technology and yet the, the fewest lives have been lost or otherwise impacted from a health perspective and the environment's been the least impacted mandy with nuclear power those are the facts and and the environmentalists just seem to have a mental block and they can't get over it can they no, they can't. Uh, they, they have a, a distrust uh, premised off of extremism uh, when it comes to nuclear energy, and they've got to get over that. Um, the other thing they ignore, too, Randy, is the fact that we lead the world in overall emissions reductions because of our breakthroughs in natural gas extraction, refinement, and delivery to the American people in a very efficient and safe manner. Environmentalists, they ignore that. And, yeah. and it's those breakthroughs which... which it, which is behind the reason that we are one of the top countries in the world when it comes to environmental outcomes. And I also appreciate you bringing up the mineral point. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party owns the mines that have the majority of the minerals that go into a, an electrified future, whether you're talking about vehicles or the grid. And we have those minerals here in this country. We could be developing that type of supply chain here, but this administration doesn't want to just shutter fossil fuels. They want to shutter American mining altogether and so they refuse to open up mines like the ones that are in Minnesota that are full of the things we need and instead are empowering and enriching the Chinese Communist Party to the detriment yeah. of Americans today and certainly in the future. Yeah, it's it's so much more than just this 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 monofocal agenda that 
the green movement has. It's there's so many ripple effects from what they're trying to do and the way they're doing it. Hey, I want to uh, since you're a Mississippi native, and of course next door is Louisiana with one of our favorite senators. I'm sure he's one of yours too, John Kennedy. Wanted to get your reaction now that we've talked about access and how unreliable the the proposed you know forced mandate to this crazy alternative energy future is. The cost is something that John Kennedy brought up the other day in a hearing, and this is what he had to say, and I want your reaction. Dr. Holtzikin, do you know how much it will cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? Depends how you do it. If we do it all in the federal budget with directed things, it'll be Public super and private expensive. dollars. Sorry? Public and private dollars. It's, all, it's ultimately private dollars anyway. Yeah, I agree. So how much? You're going to look at $50 trillion. $50 trillion. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Wow. Okay, wow. so that's just a drop in the bucket, right? Mandy, what's that? We've already had oh between God. unfunded uh, obligations to Social Security and Medicare and the current debt. What's about, what, $200 trillion and counting? What's what's a couple $50 million more, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a couple trillion dollars among friends these days. Yeah. That is absolute craziness. And um, it, it's so irresponsible to even say something like that. And I do I do like the senator's point that it's all private dollars at the end of the day because the taxpayer dollars come from private dollars. They're just taken by the federal government from the private people who actually generated the value. But also, you think about that $50 trillion, if you want to call it a quote-unquote investment, what is the actual return on that investment to the American people? And what it will be is a continuation of what we are now experiencing, which is a degraded power grid that only works some of the time, and then when it actually does, it comes with exorbitant costs. So we're setting ourselves up for massive problems on a macro scale, whether you're talking about access to type of energy to keep your house cool in the summer or warm during the winter when it's really important, especially if you're a vulnerable population, um, but also undermining uh, the, the potential growth and development of our economy, which again, plays into the wants of the Chinese Communist Party that wants to take everything over um, and put America down. Yeah, they may not have to, uh, they may do what uh, to us, what Ronald Reagan did to Gorbachev, just bring it to our knees economically and without a shot being fired through exactly this yeah. kind of, uh, this is just one arm of many economic uh, weapons that they can use. I, I want to refer folks to your great piece called The Painful Reality of Expensive Heat. It's on the Independent Women's Forum website, IWF.org, just out here in February by my guest Mandy Gunasekra, senior policy analyst and a, an expert in uh, energy policy. And, it, and, and at the very end, this is what I'd like to focus on before we leave. and that is, what can people do? I mean, yeah, we've you've you've nailed the diagnosis. There's no doubt about it. There's a sick patient when it comes to our energy status and policy. What's the prescription that you have uh, that folks can do? Because it's a pretty helpless feeling. It's not like we can go out and and drill an oil well in our backyard. It's not like we can go out and and erect a nuclear, you know, little small modular power plant the size of a of a doghouse. What what's the average Joe and Jane supposed to do? 
Well, they need to elect new leadership um, at the federal, and if they're in a state where they they have left-aligned leadership, um, it's all about bringing in a new leadership because it wasn't that long ago we had a robust and growing energy system and a growing economy on top of that, and that was under President Trump's energy dominance agenda, where it really is opening up new lands, streamlining the ability of our energy, the men and women in our energy industry to extract resources in the ways that they know how to do better than anyone else and in the most environmentally friendly manner and cutting regulation and cutting taxes um, that inhibit of this type of development to actually take place. So in the interim, uh, Randy, I wish I had better news. Uh, it's a little bit of we're in this situation right now. We're all going to have to get through this together. But once we have an opportunity to change leadership at the top, it matters. The, the, the policy decisions from the top impact our day-to-day lives, and we will all have an opportunity to change that in the coming years. And we've got to stay focused on that and not get distracted by the nonsense I'm sure the Democrats and their leftist allies in the corporate media will try to come up with. And, you know, uh, there are women that listen to this program who are paying the bills at their, at their house. There are men whose uh, wives or significant others are paying the bills. I know in my house, Helene pays the bills. And, hon, I know you're very vocal oh, about this. And so this is why I refer those who either love women or are women to get on Independent Women's Forum uh, and and read this policy piece. Because the facts in here are something you can use to, to advocate with your legislators, get small groups together. Because, hey, look, in the last few elections... It's been women have made the difference. You know, women have made the difference uh, in that sort of moderate middle, whether they vote for Biden last time or Trump the time before. So it's, it's a powerful voice. And Mandy, you are at the point of the spear, the, the spear, and we appreciate all that you do to try to get this ship righted because it certainly needs to be. Thanks so much for being with me. Keep up the great work. All right. Thanks, Randy. All right, so there she is, Mandy Gunasaker. I saw her on Fox News this morning as I was getting ready, talking about the oil spill, well, the toxic chemical spill. We'll talk about that when we uh, come back straight ahead. And a Biden gaffe again. Well, not a gaffe. It was an awkward moment of contempt for the press. This president has a lot of those moments when he is awkward and contemptuous and off balance. We'll cover that as well as the latest on that toxic spill and the uh, utter, utter incompetence of the government dealing with it. On the Randy Tobler Show, when we come back in just a little bit, at 6.43. Stay there. Just let this play a while, Leah. This is good stuff. Get you going on a Saturday morning. How you doing? I'm Randy Tober. Thanks for being here. Hope your cup of coffee is warm. Mine is, and uh, just filled up again. Saturday's donut day. My wife lets me have one donut a week, so I saved that for sometime either during or after the show. And uh, great donut place near the uh, the lair here, and we go do that. So uh, whether you make your own, whether it's bacon and eggs or whatever. Hope you're enjoying a nice Saturday morning on this chilly uh, return of winter here after a little respite here in the last couple of weeks. Turn cold later in the week here. I don't know. The groundhog saw a shadow. We weren't supposed to have the temperate weather that we've had for the most part since Groundhog Day. I don't know. Maybe winter will come back with a vengeance at some point. Not that I'm asking for it. You just never know. 
Speaking of coming back with a vengeance, the people in Ohio, in Palestine, Ohio, are upset. The mayor is angry, feels ignored. It, uh, it's reminiscent of the kind of a sentiment that I think led to Donald Trump's election in 2016. Um, the forgotten people in America, those people like you, me, perhaps, that feel like this flyover country has been forgotten by the establishment in the Northeast, the elite in the West, certainly, but the power centers in the Northeast and D.C., uh, and and other academic centers that, of course, fuel those power centers when it comes to their uh, their graduate education. Then they go and they join, uh, you know, they get into the government, get into those ranks, and then sometimes through the political process, get political appointments and become part of the deep state or the elected uh, and uh, political appointee state uh, or sometimes the permanent deep state. And they wreak havoc on us. And what happens then when there are, catastrophes like what happened in East Palestine over two weeks ago. You see late answers, late monitoring. And in the wake of all of the misinformation, the misdirection and the lack of humility in terms of the uncharted waters that led to over aggressive administration of things like masks and yes, to certain populations, vaccines, it's very difficult to, um, to for people to to trust the government when the likes of you know uh, the the EPA and others say oh the drinking water is just fine I heard an interview with a woman this morning that from East Palestine saying you know we have this beautiful little creek that ripples through our property and we walk and you know enjoy watching the minnows and the various wildlife and she said there's no signs of life there's reports of mass massive fish kills uh, lingering odors. And we know that the vinyl chloride and the phosgene gas that comes when you burn it tend to be heavy and they tend to that those gases and the byproducts sink into crevices and cracks and low lying areas in houses, in ditches. Um, uh, heck, maybe in the in the pea traps below the uh, the rarely used basement drain, but, but the, maybe the upstairs bathroom that no one showered in for a little while where are those gases where are those toxins hanging out and when will they be released where will they be harbored for years in a home and perhaps decades in the soil and in the you know the the rock structures and and the geography the geology of the area pete Buttigieg nowhere to be seen at the town hall meeting last week and um it's just tragic to see what's going on Joe Biden, on the other hand, gives a news conference about the debacle handling of first the real Chinese spy balloon and then the overreaction shooting down what have been reported to be innocuous uh, experimental balloons, you know, hobby balloons sent up by uh, schools, you know, to monitor, you know, hopefully we did that as a kid. We you ever do that, Leah, where you said your science club, you send up a balloon, you know, with a message if this balloon lands in, you know, Ecuador and what? you know Europe and Asia you know send it back send the postcard back whatever we, those kind of things you can buy those balloons for under a hundred bucks depending on yeah. how sophisticated that's what they shot down with a what a was what it 500 500 million dollar missile stinger missile are you kidding me you saw that right I did I'd feel terrible if that happened. Well, he gave a little news conference the other day, and as he's walking away awkwardly, the press corps, of course, yelling out their questions, and this was the awkward and, yes, contemptuous response of Joe Biden. 
Mr. President, there is Give me a break, man. Did you overreact? Mr. President, there's been You turned my off and asked the question. We have more polite people. Mr. President, why have you chosen So he just sort of walks away, very confused. What do I do? Which way do I go? We're lucky he didn't shake hands with the invisible person there. I mean, that was good. There's a little step up. All this on the heels. Uh, you know, hey, come on, man. Give me a break, man. Will you? Hey, come on. Come talk to me in my office when there's more polite people. Well, it's perfectly legitimate for the press to ask him about his involvement in the Hunter uh, influence peddling and, for that matter, his brother's influence peddling scheme. Some when he was vice president, frankly, when he was not vice president. I don't think there's a case there. I've said that before, but there was a lot going on. Hunter on Air Force Two as they head over to China and uh, Joe Biden subsequently saying he knew nothing about the, his son's dealings. Emails chronicling the the big guy, save 10 percent back for the big guy. I mean, come on. Come on, man. Come on, President Biden. Come clean with it as the investigations go on. It's disappointing to see a president that won't squarely face those truths and, and answer them. Uh, at this point, the um, obstruction, the obfuscation, the avoidance behavior, and the contempt that he shows when those questions are asked. You can see it. Come on, man. You know, what it wasn't come on, man, this time. It was, uh, what are you saying? You know, and, and he, he sort of gives that <laughs> sinister little, you know, contemptuous laugh. I think we've had enough of it. And, um, but yet his doctors say, hey, everything's cool. He's in good shape. I don't know about that. I think we see evidence otherwise. It's possible that his gait, which has been a stated concern of his doctors, it's been a noticeable concern when you watch him move, uh, is, is perhaps a Parkinsonian gait. But um, according to his physicians, his uh, neurologic screening didn't show any of that. Uh, and that that's just due to a very bad back. I can understand that. You know, if you've ever had a little tweak in your back, I know I have. Raise your hand if you have. You know, you bend over to pick the paper, the back goes out a little bit, and it's a few days or maybe a week before you get it back into shape. Most of the time, sadly, some of the time, it doesn't get back into shape, and it's a chronic problem. But uh, if you've had those little back problems, you know how you walk. You walk like, <laughs> like you know, uh, you've just had back surgery uh, after that. And, um, and so I, that may just be nothing more than spinal stenosis, which is a result of uh, longstanding arthritis in the vertebral column, which then puts the pinch on the spinal cord and the nerves emanating from it. So that can happen for sure. Coming up in the program, we're going to be talking about um, a mom who uh, found herself in a little trouble when she called out a school. Of, and we see it all the time now. Moms who don't want their kids being uh, gender affirming, validated by their school's executives and their school's, uh, you know, authority figures. And then, of course, people from the government weighing in. So we'll be talking about that as we continue to um, seek truth, because we are truth warriors here on the program. And, of course, destroy woke, because if we don't destroy woke and get in front of it and push back as much as it is entrenched, and now we are the rebels, we are the resistance to the woke agenda. If we don't do that, woke will destroy this country. These kind of compassless policies, um, practices, and behaviors in a culture, what led to the downfall of the great civilizations, we're on the precipice of that kind of a trajectory 
And we'll address that at the 7 o'clock hour. Mark, uh, at the top of the hour, Mark McCloskey joins us to talk about some law and uh, the Julie Banderas issue, if you didn't hear about that. And then Virginia Cruda with her weekly uh, weighing in and Michael Bustler at 8.06. So tons coming up on the program, whether it is Rumble, Facebook Live, YouTube, or just listening to the radio or the app. We're News Talk STL, The Randy Tobler Show. Be back. 